0: Wildcats take another big win away from the Buffs. That and more on the Arizona Podcast.
1: Tackle 14 for Arizona. That's the difference in the football game. He was amazing. Tate is doing things that I see Reggie Bush didn't do, Matt Leinart didn't do, Marcus Mariota didn't do, Marcus Allen didn't do. He's won four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week (laughs) awards. A pass that couldn't have been thrown any more accurately from Tate.
2: Biggest fight on the hill in the early days. inside. Extra you guys kind of have to do this week uh, to make sure you can contain on Saturday. Great. Right. So-
1: Arizona,
0: Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. Welcome back to the Arizona Podcast. The uh, Wildcats took down the Buffaloes, and uh, Gabe Encinas and Brandon Combs and I are going to break down that game. Remember to follow Gabe Encinas at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon at U of A Bear Down 07 on Twitter. Also, follow, follow the podcast on at Podcast Zona. You can visit us at Facebook on the Arizona Podcast, and you can email the podcast at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. Gentlemen, welcome back. What did you guys think of the week?
2: It's a good week, good week. Yeah, it's a good week, and uh, we're still in the hunt here. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I think this
0: week we're going to go back and and break the game down drive-by-drive. We don't have a game ourselves, but we're going to pick the rest of the games in the Pac-12 and go through the Friday Night Lights with uh, Brandon and Gabe and some recent commitments. Um, Just a little bit of, I don't know, semi-breaking news. It's my understanding that uh, Gary Brightwell uh, had a negative MRI so no structural damage but it continues to rehab from his injury so I thought that was good news he was really starting to turn it on there and and uh we had a Nathan uh, Tilford sighting in the Colorado game so um hopefully uh Brightwell will be back before long you guys have any thoughts on that Yeah I find it um it was nice
1: to see Tilford actually get into the game um just based on like the the one carry he got and even the fact that uh, you know what what Kevin Sumlin said Monday during the presser it just seems like uh, Brightwell's actually going to you know the staff's actually trusting him a little bit more he's actually probably performing well in in practice for them to trust him and I think he will probably get a lot more uh, a lot more play uh,
2: during the you know the final part of the season yeah I think it's a huge Uh, sigh of relief now for a red shirt or not even a red shirt just a sophomore and he was one of your more productive backs and we saw Nathan Tilford and uh, in action and it's kind of shaky after that I guess um, having to play him now and you kind of want you want him to develop but I mean he's been buried in the depth chart for the past two years under two coaching staff so good to have Brightwell out there and JJ Taylor can be an every-down back, but I don't like him having 40 touches a game.
0: Yeah, JJ certainly uh, shown his dur- durability. We talked about it last week, as he, at the time he was the fourth-leading um, all-purpose. Uh, uh, performer in the entire NCAA. I think he's held up remarkably, but I think he made a good point. I think for Tilford, having him in that uh, goal line package is nice because his responsibilities are probably pretty straightforward and it and it reduces the opportunity for him to have confusion on pass pro and whatnot because I thought J.J. Taylor uh, did exceptional in that regard, but we'll get into that as we go through the game. So... Um, Let's see, Colorado wins the toss, and they defer to the second half. Uh, We receive the kick, and it's a a quick three and out for us. Um, We get a big, long punt. We get a big punt, uh, but there's a big return uh, from Colorado all the way to Arizona's 14, and you're thinking, "Uh oh, here we go. Colorado's been on a slide. They're coming out, guns blazing. Um, But we get lucky, and there's a forced fumble by Flanagan Fowles on Nixon, and uh, Arizona recovers the ball. What did you guys think about those first two uh, possessions for Arizona and Colorado?
2: Yeah, that was terrifying. Just, I mean, I, I didn't think much of the just three and out. I mean, you you want to at least get a first down, and you don't want to just stop your momentum the very first drive and be giving the ball up in 45 seconds of real time or even just game clock. And then once they hit that return, then it's just, uh, just kind of felt like a reverse Oregon where it's just... Uh, this is gonna be a big letdown game, but then Demetrius, he's been turning it on this season, definitely starting to look like his sophomore half juniorish self. And so that was really big for Arizona to get that ball back and start a drive.
1: Yeah, I agree. it was interesting, too, especially when, I mean, if- When Colorado picked up the ball, I mean, they kind of looked like they were out of source already. Um, I mean, they took a timeout, you know, took their first timeout, probably mainly to discuss what they were going to do. But still, you know, you don't want to burn a timeout that early in the
0: game, like at all. So, well, it was interesting. They were going for it on fourth and two there, and they couldn't make up their <laughs> minds, and then they end up going for it in the fumble. So, well, you know, if, if they kick a field goal there, we don't have this huge change in momentum, right? It's just three points for Colorado, and they're kicking off, right? Right. So, yeah. uh,
1: that guess, I mean, it wouldn't have made a difference in score, but, like, I mean, obviously with how the game ended. But, I mean, you never know. They could have definitely had the momentum. But, like he was saying, Excuse me, I mean, DFF's definitely looking like his old self again, and it's actually really nice. He's, he's definitely been turning it on ever since the Houston game, really.
0: Yeah, I uh, I tweeted out on my my non podcast uh, Twitter handle um, that there was a bad coverage play by DFF, and it's funny. Gabe mentioned like you know, kind of that between his sophomore and junior to the senior year, trying to. I couldn't decide how long of a period I'd I would put that it's been that Flanagan Fowles has been underperforming. Has it been a year and a half? I couldn't really nail that down. So uh, regardless, it's nice to see him playing with aggression and, and playing well. I was kind of thinking about his. His style, And I, I'm curious to think to what you guys think from his position, versatility. He's like long and lanky, so you'd think he'd be a better coverage guy, but that's really not a strong suit. He's a little bit better and more of like a spur than a bandit roll coming downhill and hitting people. I, I think it's strange for his body type. W- what do you guys think about his skill set?
2: But with he- that <clears> – <throat> sorry, you can go again. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think, I mean, yeah, he's a lanky, what, 6'2", maybe 2'10". I'm not sure. He might be a little smaller in weight, uh, but yeah, I, I was. It, that's exactly what I was going to say. He is more of kind of a downhill guy, I think. It, yeah, when it's, I don't know, with him, it's just like if he has to make a decision sometimes and he's in open field and kind of trying to break down a defender or break down a ball carrier, it, it just doesn't end up well a lot of the times, and then... We saw Houston in a lot of his junior year. He just lets guys get behind him. And so, yeah, I I agree. It it is odd that, you know, you would like to see him in a spur role or kind of a more aggressive, downhill, blitzing kind of guy. But, um, I mean, really, I guess he could play. I mean the safety positions are all somewhat similar to an extent and i think a couple of players have said that before i think because that was back when isaiah hayes was in there and they were kind of throwing guys around with scotty uh back and forth but it is interesting to kind of see how demetrius has kind of played over the last three years really
1: Yeah, interestingly enough. I mean, yeah, I agree. He's definitely very—he's extremely effective coming downhill and stopping the run, or even stopping a uh, a screen pass. But I, I have to give him credit where credit's due. Like ever since really the Houston game, he's been borderline lights out when it comes to coverage like not a whole lot of guys are catching balls even if the ball's anywhere near his body he's able to get those those lanky arms in there and rip it out or disrupt the receiver a little bit and then you know the balls drop so i gotta give him credit where credit's due though
0: yeah, he certainly has broken up a lot of those, those short-range uh, passes. Um, so we get the ball back, and Arizona is punting the ball pretty quickly again. I think the, the, the point that we need to take away from this isn't just that it was two, three, and outs, but Colorado actually gets some pretty significant pressure, and Dylan Klumpf pulls back the punt, takes a step to the right, and then Mm -hmm. runs up the field and booms a 53-yard punt with a fair catch by Blackman. So, you know, I I think that this is a real critical point. Obviously, the fumble was a big momentum switcher, but if he would have either heard the kick and shanked it or, you know, run into the back of his own players as the uh, Colorado pressure was coming, obviously that could have pretty dramatically changed it. I thought it was a real veteran move, calm, cool, collected. What would you guys think about that sequence?
1: i was a little i'm not even gonna lie i thought it's like a like you said it looked like a reverse organ it was like oh no and then he just went Zoop, and then stepped up and boomed it down the field so i was just like oh, okay <laughs> a lot better than i thought it was gonna be and I was, yeah i mean for a punter like they don't get much they don't get much credit for a lot they don't get credit for a whole lot of things but i think you should get credit for that move for sure
2: yeah i mean like or i mean one very much like oregon where it's frustrating when you recover a fumble at what the the what yard they were at the six yard line when they recovered the fumble stopped Colorado and they were on their way and so kind of frustrating to have to punt there when you know you've got some momentum on your sides and you're not really able to do much and then yeah just a smart play right there by Dylan to have his hesitation or sidestep whatever it actually was and yeah, that was a he got a good piece on that one, so you're still you're still wanting a little bit more at this point, but Nonetheless, considering how Colorado had already returned that punt, you got the turnover. It was still in a decent spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's ranked seventh in the Pac-12 for net punting. So it's not like he's, you know, that dry Arizona air has delivered all of its promises. But uh, it's a huge step up from last season and his consistency. And I I think he does deserve credit for, for that play in particular i thought it was pretty savvy senior grad student uh, vet type move so uh colorado uh, starts at their 34 and they have a pretty methodical drive down the field um and eventually uh katie nixon runs a ball in for eight yards over the right hand side he gets kind of leg whipped on the thigh um as he's getting tackled into the end zone and goes off the field. And, and if, if I'm remembering correctly at that point, that was kind of the end of the, the effective play of Nixon for that game. Did you guys have thoughts on the performance of the defense on that particular drive? I mean, I
1: couldn't blame them really. Um, there are certain instances. It just seemed like, um, I don't know. Like they're they, they were, you know they're the Colorado was using Jawan Winfrey actually pretty effectively throughout that drive. I remember that very distinctly. Um you know they were they're were having his routes go just beyond the sticks that and you know Montez would do a quick pass out and you know they're getting first down. So um and to me that was just really good play calling by by Colorado and um, but I gotta say like JB Brown, us you know, he had a, a couple tackles in that one but I remember very distinctly I think it was the very first play of of that drive he just did not stop and just chase down Montez um, and chase him out of bounds which was really just I mean that kid has been just blowing it up this year and it's really nice to see you know him take advantage of the opportunity he's got because that kid is that kid is talented and I think he's going to be something special especially uh, you know getting this game experience and developing over in the offseason then heading into his junior year he'll be very I think very very good so Uh, I just really impressed by that one play by Brown. Yeah,
2: not too much for me here, but just, you kind of, it's an 11 play 66 yard drive. And so you kind of want at least something to have some sort of stop on defense. They were just kind of getting, it seemed like what, not exactly whatever they wanted, but they were able to move the ball pretty effectively they were able to get their second and longs into third and manageables and their first downs, they were able to move the ball. So at this point it's still only seven, nothing and it could have been a lot worse. So still, still not a good feeling though. At this point, I do remember that.
0: Yeah, I'm not remembering, I, you know, I agree. And the only thing I noticed out of that is the Katie Nixon injury. So he he went over to get attended. And he, and at this point, you know, Colorado's down its top three receivers. And, you know, they don't have LaVisca Chenault. And so um, losing their, their number one running back, uh, the injuries are really mounting for uh, Colorado. I'd mention, and I'll go over the total numbers at the end, you know, Colorado rushed uh, Montez uh, quite a few times. Well, Let's go ahead and pull it up here. So, you know, of course there's um, a lot of scramble plays that are included in this this total, but Montez was uh, credited with um, 16 attempts to rush the ball. And so uh, not all of those, obviously, were designed run plays, but there certainly were several of them. And considering the injuries that were stacking up for Colorado, I did kind of question them running Montez. But uh, short story long, I can't remember exactly why on the subsequent kickup we ended up with the ball of seven. Did the ball dribble around and, uh, and Barry yes. Hill picked it up or what? Do you guys remember exactly so ha- what happened there?
1: Yeah, Barry Hill let it drop. I think he thought it was going to go into the end zone, uh, but it bounced at the one and bounced back towards the field of play, so he had to pick it up real quick um and and try to do something with it and it just it didn't work out
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, now that you mentioned that I remember that part so now we've got the ball on the seven and it gets even worse JJ Taylor fumbles the ball on his next rush um, so you know we're not exactly out of the gates uh, gangbusters by any stretch of the imagination um, Colorado uh, is held to a field goal on that series and again uh you know, Tony Fields is in for a sack on Montez. Flanagan Fowles gets a sack on Montez. And um, then there's an incomplete pass. So uh, Arizona limits the damage uh, and keeps it 10-0 Colorado. What did you guys think about that defensive stand after the fumble?
1: I thought that was huge. Actually, I was... Concern. What would what would happen if if Colorado went up 14 to nothing? Um, just because we saw it too many times this year so far. But that yeah that stop just dropped. You know, keeping them to 10 was definitely. Um, I don't want to say huge momentum, but it definitely I think gave. Um, the team a boost of confidence like okay we stopped them they only got three we're still in this game this is no problem so yeah I thought that was that was huge
2: yeah I mean and it started from the very beginning from what I remember but a lot of Arizona's better defensive plays or pass rushes really just came from montez just he looked very much like herbert where he just didn't feel comfortable at all and he would just kind of flush out or just try to make something happen on his own and maybe it was good coverage i know i mean the defensive line always had a good jump it seemed like every play almost but just for colorado one to not run the ball as much especially when you're on the seven there Montez just looked like he was just I don't know. He just looked out of sync and not comfortable at all in the pocket. It was a little dirty there, but it, I mean, we're super encouraging to give up the ball in the seven after Colorado just scored seven and now he was holding them to a field goal. So again, it could be a lot worse. You feel a lot better. And like Brandon said, if the I mean we've seen this team go down fourteen nothing or Are big early in games and you know they kind of don't show up for the first half and then they finally start to make something happen in the third and fourth quarter so it's good to see that they were able to limit that damage and Yeah. You see Arizona start to climb back eventually.
0: Yeah. Speaking of getting back into it on the very next possession, uh, the cats, uh, pretty much march right down the field. JJ Taylor has a 15 yard run. Uh, Sean Brown, uh, has an 11 yard pass. Bryce Walma has a nice 17 yard, um, you know, little, uh, tight end flare that he takes down the field. That was a real nice play action pass there. And then, uh, JJ Taylor gets a pass for 12 yards. Uh, Cats are marching down the field. They throw a screen pass and score a touchdown, but not. And Cody Creason Mm. gets called for holding. I think it was a pretty fair call. Um, We'll talk plenty about how the calls went in this game, but it was – disappointing I, you know creason didn't need to make that hold but i think from his position he, w- he was trying to get his assigned guy i really didn't couldn't see jj taylor and realize that he was already clear so you know it's one of those plays that happen in football i, I didn't make too much of it what'd you guys think about uh, that that series up to that point
1: i thought that it, to me it reminded me very much of uh, that second quarter drive or the the drive that Arizona had to end this the first half against Oregon score that touchdown um, it was very methodical a lot of you know a lot of just chunk you know small chunk yard play setting up third and short um, and then just keep marching down the field and then yeah that that uh, that run by JJ like around the outside and then you know Saw the touchdown. And then of course, you know, there's laundry on the field. So, Oh good. Here we go. It's going to be a hold. Um, I thought that it's kind of, I agree. I see why the refs, and I, I just want to talk about this a little bit, but I just want to see I saw the refs, you know, I see why they, they threw the flag because like, yes, he did have a grab of the, of the Colorado player, but the, the player didn't try to disengage until JJ was like a few yards beyond him. So, and it's kind of nitpicky to me, but at the same time I could still see why they threw it. But, excuse me, I thought it was a good drive overall. And I thought that, you know, it was very important for uh, Arizona to get points on the board. So at least they did that.
2: Yeah. For me, one, it was good to see Bryce Wilma with a catch. We've really have not seen any tight end action. He has three catches for 30 yards this season. And so really just has been a non-factor in the offense really hasn't really been on the field at all. So good to see him get out there. And then I think, yeah, kind of nitpicky with the hold, perhaps, but I thought—I mean, it would—it w- it would be fair. I mean, if that were cholera, if that were happening to, you know, JB Brown, I would want that to be called, I suppose. And then we see Lucas with a big leg for forty-nine yards, so getting back on the board, down one possession now. it's, it's in a good spot now, early in the second
0: yeah, um, Tate didn't do heurick uh, any favors uh, on either this drive or the final drive of the first half with okay. uh, nice. his,
1: Oh that's right.
0: his classic uh, I'm going to scramble outside the tackles, uh, run to the sideline, and then instead of launching the ball out of bounds, I'll just run out of bounds and drop seven or eight yards to make things more difficult for my kicker. So that was the last play. Before the kick, and I I find this to be an incredibly frustrating behavior by Tate. I do not understand it in the slightest. Why does he not toss the ball out of bounds when he's literally running out of bounds? This isn't a questionable grounding, is he, between the tackles type situation. He runs out of bounds laterally with the ball and loses yards. It makes me insane.
1: I remember when it happened. I think I remember seeing Gabe tweet out, like, no sideline awareness, and I think that's pretty much what it is. Like, he's busy looking down the field, not really paying attention to where he is on the field. Um, And then before you know it, he's freaking running out of bounds. Like, that's a a possibility. I'm not exactly sure if that's what it is, but that's just kind of my
2: take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's just super frustrating. We've seen this since, like, his very first start as a true freshman against USC – and I mean, sure he's to date what he's probably had 15 starts now at this point, maybe less. I'm, I'm interested to see that number now. Um, but I mean, that's still just something that is pretty much just inexcusable just as a quarterback and just knowing where you are and what needs to get done, especially on a third down right there where you're already at third and 18, nothing's going to happen. out and then you put yourself in a fourth and 25 at the 31. But luckily Lucas has been coming through lately.
0: Yeah. So let's see here. Uh, College uh, football reference for Khalil Tate by year. They list games. I don't know if they qualify these as starts. Um, So, Seven games as freshman year, eleven as sophomore, and nine as junior. That can't be right, though. So, so that must be had, all participation he had, games. He had
1: one start as a freshman. He started every game after Colorado last year. Yeah, he started so like seven-ish. Yeah, and then he started every game but
0: one this year. Oh yeah, because he didn't start at UCLA. So well, he might
1: be he might be hovering around fifteen starts for right now.
0: I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't possibly fathom a reasonable explanation why he would not toss that ball out of bounds. But yeah. say, you. So uh, now it's ten three. Uh, as Brandon points out, at least we got some points. Uh, Colorado gets the ball, um, and uh, you know that they end up with a, a making a few yards. <laughs> uh actually they didn't really move the ball much at all and they end up um i can't remember oh this is the play where colin schooler had that awesome uh, sack on the flea flicker what Uh, do you guys think about that one
1: dude he did a such a good job of hiding He, he he can see it like from all angles he hid behind i can't was it Fields or was it brown i can't remember who who that was that was engaging um, the running back as he tossed it back but he hid behind him and then as soon as and then he just exploded around and crushed montez i mean that was that was very incredibly intelligent football play
2: yeah and then probably not so much of a great football play by the running back whoever that was at the time because at that point you see fields or brown or whoever that was screaming right into the backfield and then he even has like just a terrible. I, it, it was just a terrible. He had to like
0: throw the ball over another player's head to get it back yeah. to Montez. It was a weird. I, it didn't. It looked so disjointed.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah it did not. It did not look clean. So at that point, I mean, sure. What what down was that? That second down. Yeah, I don't know. At that point, I feel like you just eat it and just move on to the next play. But that was just a great play by Colin. just. I mean, he flew out of there. And just murdered him.
0: So, <laughs> uh, so speaking um, of murder, <laughs> we get the ball back, and Khalil Tate hits Stanley Barry Hills for 40 yards and the touchdown. Barry Hill comes back for this ball, it's way underthrown, makes a great play. The defenders hanging all over him, e- even even the refs in this game recognize that that was pass interference, and um, and the cats. Are tying the game up. I, I thought it was just an exceptional uh, play on the ball by Barry Hill, um, and, and credit to Tate for putting the ball out there for Barry Hill to go get. Listen, if this is underthrown and the defender intercepts it, or it goes incomplete, or we don't get a call, you know, we're not super jazzed up about Tate lobbing up that ball short. Um, but that's kind of his mo. And you take, you know, you 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 get what you get, and you live by the sword, you die by the sword. What'd you guys think?
1: So I thought. Um well, I mean, it was it was actually a, actually pretty decent play. Other than the, like the throw, I mean, he he threw a 50-50 ball because I think uh, he knew. You know, I mean, if you throw those types of balls up, it's it's. I'd say about a 98% chance you're going to get a PI called DPI called, especially since the, the ball's hanging up forever. The receivers just kind of watching it and not paying attention to what the DBs doing. And then the DB is just like all over, usually all over the place. It gets there way too early. So I think it was an overall great play by Khalil in a great play call. Um, and then just, I mean, Barry Hill did a great job adjusting and coming back for the ball and getting that 40 yard touchdown one handed with the, uh, DB all over him. Um, but I just want to go back real quick to the Colorado, like the end of the Colorado drive. You know, speaking of, mur- I mean, Scotty Young murdered Jay McIntyre. Oh
0: yeah, that was the concussion catch. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Great point.
1: And I keep seeing this on Twitter, and I, and everyone's right. Mike McIntyre seems to have a habit of get putting his son in, into harm's way, um, and this is just another instance of that. Um, but I remember also thinking at the same time, I'm like, man, if Scotty didn't didn't hit him like that, like this would have been like a third and twenty three uh, conversion for a first down, and that would have been a killer. But I have to say that was a great play by Scotty, even though even though, you know, great football play. Um. And unfortunately, you know, little McIntyre got hurt with it, but like it was still a good play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, striking the receiver in the air. It just happened to flip him and he just came straight down on his head at that funky angle. And this is his second concussion. And I could be remembering this. I I know he failed the concussion protocol in this game, but. I forget where his other concussion was. It was in a you know a, a non-Arizona game, obviously. And so I was kind of watching it, but not watching it with the same intensity. And I thought he came back in that game. And I remember commenting to my wife, I'm like, this kid's had pretty recent concussions, and I think he played. That's the problem when these guys play through their concussion and don't give themselves adequate time to rest. Then they're prone to subsequently more concussions, and it can be an even bigger setback. So this is one of those, those uh, instances where... You can actually hurt your ability to come back and contribute to the team by pushing it when you're coming back from these types of injuries. Uh, what do you think, Gabe?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, there's nothing else. that. It's not like it was an ill-will play. And, I mean, you can't do anything when the receiver takes his feet off the ground and you're already in a football move to make a play. So, just kind of an unfortunate series for uh, Colorado there. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I, I feel like a lot of people felt like Rich Rod rushed a lot of guys back and, you know, yeah, you want your guy, your best guys on your field, but at the end of the day, you've got to get your guys your rest that they need so that they don't have any setbacks.
0: Well, I think it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, we've talked about guys have kind of moved up to the, you know, the the depth chart, whether by necessity or by performance. and But I do feel like someone really has more of an all 22. I mean, Rich Rod paid a lot of lip service to that but I felt like he didn't deliver it and I f- you know the way that someone rotates the defensive line and the secondary and you're seeing a lot of different guys coming in and out with the exception I think of JJ Taylor and his workload you could make an argument that someone's really taken the opportunity to give uh, a lot of other players time and subsequently not only develop the, the depth but to protect those players from a, from a wiring down standpoint. I don't know am I overstating that?
2: No, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, you see on defense, he's rotating corner. Like, you see Azizi Hearn almost just as much as, you know, any other corner out there. He's mixing out all of his safeties, uh, linebackers. You kind of see Pandy here and there. And then D-line, they've got some depth down there. And so... Yeah, you're seeing a lot of mixing in and even receivers too. There's a lot. We saw Thomas Marcus a few weeks ago. Trey Adams, I think, has gotten in there. So Dixon. I mean, yeah, yeah, so yeah James got Matt in Drew Dixon got in for Oregon. So uh, yeah, Jalen I mean, Bailey has been there. He's in. really uh mixing it up there. And yeah, I Rich Rod would always say he wants like twenty to twenty five guys on each side of the ball that can play, but would really play maybe 15 or so. I mean, those guys were playing all 60 minutes for sure.
0: And only recruit five of them, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, so game's knotted up. Colorado gets the ball. Um, and, you know, here's where we're starting to look pretty good. Uh, you know, Colorado basically three and out, and they punt the ball back to us. We get the ball. Uh, J.J. Taylor rushes for seven yards. He rushes for nine. Incomplete pass by Tate. JJ uh, Taylor with another rush of 10. And then Tate hits uh, Cooper down the right sideline for a, f- a 33 yard uh, catch. I think this is essentially a repeat of the uh, Barry Hill. He's got a defender just. Draped all over him, but Khalil Tate puts it up there and, and Cooper makes the play. In fact, this should have been a pass interference too. It wasn't. And this puts us uh, close to scoring position. And then um, the Cats run that slant play to Poindexter when the defensive back doesn't have inside leverage. And at his size, he just walls the guy completely out and, and takes it down. Uh, what do you guys think about the series and the performance of those players?
2: Yeah, I, I really liked this series. And yeah, like you mentioned, very similar with Barry Hill on the last or whatever the, their first scoring or their second the, scoring drive. I yeah, think it was the previous score. series, yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah, even the previous series. I mean, usually, I mean, even against BYU, they took a lot of shots downfield and that was kind of the big frustrating point that we took away week one. And usually Khalil Tate, I feel like if he's going to throw it deep, he's going to put it where nobody but his receiver can get it. But this time definitely was going, I don't know, just under throwing them or just, I don't know, just didn't have the best placement that night. And, you know, I mean, it's up to Barry Hill, who's what, five, nine and Cooper's maybe five, eight, and they're coming down with those balls, one-on-one situations. Um, So, I mean, great plays by both of them. And I mean, they were connecting that night. I mean, if they, they took a lot of deep shots uh, against Colorado for sure. And so that could have been another BYU game where you just, you know, I think Dax, you mentioned it earlier. was just, it, it, you know, that it could be frustrating all night long if you're not connecting, but they were hitting those. And then I love the slant from Sean. I think I've mentioned this probably every week. I hate the end zone or the goal line fade. It's just a very low percentage play, but Unless you have Sean on the little dude, but I mean, he's so big, he was just shielding off that receiver. There was no help from an outside linebacker or a safety over the middle. That was just an easy score for him.
0: Yeah, it wasn't J.J. Arcega-Whiteside badass, but it was pretty close. What'd you think there, Brandon? Brandon? I thought that was
1: good. Uh, I mean, you get two really no, sorry, three really big runs from JJ throughout throughout the uh, the series, and you know, if you're like me, you know, that's when I started getting the feelings like, man, this might be another kind of like Oregon performance. Um, and then my man, Devon Cooper. I've been saying it all year. I've been saying it like before the season, like he's going to break out. And this was he just keeps showing why I I you know picked him to break out and the kind of playing a you know playmaking ability. I've, I've, knew he had uh you know he busted a really nice good slant across the middle for 19 yards um and he almost he almost broke that one um i remember it was a very it was a shoestring tackle that 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 tripped him up another night i think he would have been gone um and then yeah that that catch by him one-handed with again someone draped all over him um was just outstanding like uh, that one, I thought, was still placed in a pretty good spot for the most part. Like, what slowed Cooper down, I think, was the the DB all over him. But, <clears throat> you know, I thought that was just a good play by Khalil and, and Devon throughout the whole time. Or, sorry, throughout the whole play. And then, um, yeah, like, Sean, that that was just unfair. Like, he just literally used his frame, boxed the dude out, and, you know, owned him. He was like, this is mine, and, and nice touchdown by Sean. And, you know, once again, he... Was incredibly efficient in this game, much like he was against Oregon. So, yeah, Sean's becoming that that red zone threat that I think we all were hoping he would become.
0: Well, uh, the glory didn't last for long. So Colorado uh, gets the uh, the kickoff, and they actually ran the ball like out of the superficial part of the end zone there, and they only made it to the 11 something. thinking, great, here we go. Uh, but they pretty methodically drive down the field. Uh, Montez. Uh, hits a couple long passes, um, and they get down. And uh, Arizona had been using a lot of uh, zone to kind of throw off Colorado's uh, crossing routes and and really mixed up the zone and the man coverage in this game. But they go into zone, and uh, Kyle Evans leaks out on the, the Texas route, and, um, he is just completely wide open. I'm not entirely sure really who had responsibility for the coverage, uh, but whoever it was, was nowhere to be found. And he walks into the end zone. Um, obviously a disappointing performance, um, after we had scored, what'd you guys take of, uh, of that series?
1: So this was the drive where Scotty got hit on honestly should have probably been <laughs> a personal foul on the uh, Colorado receiver, um just for him leading you know leading with his crown of his helmet and everything like that scotty did a nice hit up against the you know with his shoulder and everything uh and then it comes jarius wallace and then that's when like things were kind of like just went downhill for a little bit for the secondary he just has not played well the past two games uh you I know mean, there's a reason he's not out there uh going back on i, I know, no gabe remember like remembers me venting about it in our slack uh chat um but that was uh the the play where Kyle Evans was wide open. It was uh, a corner blitz by Lorenzo. He goes off the, you know, off the edge and, and take it. And, uh, and Jarius was the safety at that, at on that side of the field who should have been covering. Uh, instead, he went, he traveled to the, you know, his eyes wander and he went to the middle of the field. And then, yeah, Evans was left wide open for the scamper in from 17 yards. So that was just like the first of 20. That was just the first seven of 21 points that uh, Wallace was personally responsible for.
2: Yeah, on this one, I think. I mean, really, for me, like Brandon said, we were talking about it as it was happening. For me, at least, on the touchdown, I don't remember too much of what happened within the drive, but on the touchdown, I and mean, I think that's just a that's just a good play call against what Arizona called, where you're running a wheel route out to the side, and they're sending a corner blitz, and so it's going to be hard for someone to come over and help on that side. Uh, I'd be interested. I, I'm not too sure if, what the replays were showing, but if there was a receiver that was kind of occupying the middle of the field that kept Jarius there for a little bit. Yeah, there was a post on hesitate. that side. Yeah, so I mean, for me, that's just something that you know, I think you just have to take it where it's kind of like if you run an all-out blitz and they're running a screen, you know, that's just it's just a good matchup against the play call, and so I think that was just perfect timing for colorado
0: all right well fair enough so arizona so we're knotted up again um arizona gets the ball back and um you know we we uh we get the uh ineligible um player downfield on the first play, <laughs> but that hasn't haunted us as much as it did earlier last season. Yeah. So I, I think we're getting our timing a little bit better. Um, and then Khalil Tate nails Tony Ellison down the sideline. And, and this is another pass where, uh, you know, Tate's receivers just picked them up. I mean, Ellison, plucks this ball out of the air as he as he goes flipping to the ground and, and they pick up 45 yards real quick on the pass I thought that was an exceptional uh, exceptional uh, catch by um, um, by Ellison and then uh, Khalil Tate does you know they, they they run a few plays and then Khalil Tate scrambles to the right and then throws back into the middle of the field and hits Shun Brown for a touchdown. My position is, regardless of the fact that this was a touchdown, it was a bad pass and a bad decision by Tate. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, well, um,
1: go ahead. Uh, so, I mean, we don't have to – I mean, Tony Ellison's going to be an NFL receiver, so we already know that. But – um yeah, that pass, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying because the safety can come in, you know, he may not see a defender that can come in, step right in front of it, and take it. So I totally get what you're, what you're saying. But this wasn't the first time that he's done this with Sean. I th- he did it uh, last year, I think, against USC. Um, it was it was almost exactly the same play. It was kind of eerie. So, um, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I don't it's, I think, in my opinion, like, this wasn't, like, it didn't look like a force throw. Um, he, I mean, everyone knows what it looks like when Khalil forces a throw because you can you can see it. Um, but this one didn't feel like it. It looked like he had a pretty good idea and he knew he can get it in there and which, which he did, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't have a problem with it because it just it didn't feel like a, a, a Khalil force throw. So it just felt like a normal uh, bullet pass that he's, he that he does. so but I totally understand where you're coming from because it could have been it could have you know there could have been a, a Colorado uh, defender that he didn't see that came in and he at least batted it away and you know but luckily that that wasn't the case so
2: yeah for me one for tony ellison I, he hadn't been the same tony ellison over the last few games so it's nice to see him haul that one in and get back to his normal self and then for this so initially when khalil threw the pass i mean yeah anytime he's throwing on the run. it's a little especially downfield it's it definitely makes me want to think that it's forced and bad things are going to happen but this one it didn't look very bad but then Dax I saw that you had tweeted like the end zone uh view of that and I was like golly that, that that was pretty tight and I don't know that that is a pretty ballsy throw to make and I mean he got it in there but I feel like A safety definitely could have just come right in and swooped on that and come in with a return. But, you know, definitely a throw that I I would not like to see a whole lot of. But, I mean, at the time, I I thought nothing of it. But once I saw that end zone view again earlier this morning, I think, man, that, yeah, that's definitely a throw where it's like, man, I think he got away with that one.
0: You live by the Tate, you die by the Tate. Um, <laughs> insert Tate joke here. So we're we're nodding up again. It's uh, 17 all at this point. Um, Colorado gets the ball, um, and what the heck happened on this drive? So there's. Was this
1: the? Uh, oh, this was the it, one where. Uh,
0: there's a minute that Jerry-
1: Jarius went all out, almost got oh, the pick, yeah. just over. Uh, yeah. so he the, timed it poorly.
0: That the 57-yard touchdown. So yeah, that's the listen. So <clears throat> for those that didn't recall this play off the top of their head, like me, so so Montez tosses a, a ball to his left, and Jarius Wallace leaps quite impressively high in an all-out yeah. attempt to undercut the receiver and intercept the ball, and misses the ball by five inches four inches yeah it wasn't close it It wasn't through his fingers but but it wasn't like you know it was he was he was quite a bit short but you know it was still an impressive thing um and the receiver catches the ball and trots into the end zone so it takes colorado all of 59 seconds to score personally i am completely okay with this i would rather he play on his toes than his heels and i i prefer the aggression to that but i mean you know they call him safeties for a reason Uh, what say you gentlemen
1: to me, it just looked like you know, like because I saw um, you posted it in slow motion earlier today. That's and like, that slow motion one makes it look so brutal, but it it really it, does. But you can see that he jumped way too soon.
2: It was yeah, a, he was he was early, and yeah.
1: that's if he if he would have timed it perfectly. Oh, that that was a pick. there's yeah. no doubt. But yeah, he was just uh, he just just like I mean a split second too soon, and it's just it just I remember watching it in real life, and I was just like. I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, you're like,
1: interception. Oh, uh, no well, maybe way. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, the other guy gets
0: the ball and runs off. Yeah. It looked the, way closer the, than it did in slow-mo.
1: That's the, what? what The second or third time that's happened to Jarius this year?
0: I honestly can't. Oh. I can't remember. It happened, call it happened
1: against UCLA. Did it? I remember that.
0: Yep. I, this one, it's pretty vivid in my mind, but I don't remember those. Um, and so, anyways, um so now Colorado's uh, up 24-23. Uh, 20, uh, oh, because we missed the extra – didn't we? We missed the extra point. Yeah. Joe, previously. Yeah, that was appalling. Yeah, so um, anyways, uh, Arizona gets the ball back, and there's 25 seconds left in the game. And we get a delay of penalty call on a change of possession. And it frickin' makes me nuts at this point of the game. It's so critical. Mazzoni's done this on several times with Tate on a change of possession. And they know the new clock rule is they don't get the full time. It, they just reset the play clock, and you don't get that additional seconds. So it drives me nuts that him and Tate haven't figured this out this late in the year. I, I just think it's sloppy. And then Tate, right after that, immediately runs out of bound with his frickin' same knucklehead move we talked about earlier in the... Um, podcast so at this point i'm like well we're not going to get crap out of this drive um but i was wrong because they call a little uh check down to sean brown as colorado goes into prevent mode and he scampers down the sideline for 21 yards and then uh, havarisic kicks a 55 year old field goal i thought it was a, a a very impressive salvage uh and execution at the end of the game uh, what'd you guys think
2: Who kicks his back? See, yes, yes. But now I'm also thinking, maybe the key, if you want to hit a 49-yard field goal or further, is to have Khalil Tate (laughs) run out of the end.
0: It's like a fantasy field goal kicker. You want him to kick farther so you get more points.
2: It it sets him up to to kick it further, and he's just going to make it now. So I think... If Arizona wants some guarantee, if you at least want three points, you need Colt to run out of the uh, sideline.
0: It's like a, it's like a lucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> What'd you think, uh, Brandon?
1: Yeah. I mean, like it, it was like, I think Gabe mentioned earlier in in the, you know, in this, in the show, like, it's just, it's nice to see Lucas Habersick back out there. He's got his confidence back and he's nailing those, you know, 49 plus f- yard field goals that we all love. And, you know can and we can like i honestly uh I, that first one i was like okay so however six been out there something he must have shown something and boom he nails it through i'm like okay i got i got my confidence back in him because he he missed those during the earlier in the season and then when he hit the 55 yarder uh yeah it was it was really nice to see and I, i'm actually glad he was out there like knocking those through again
0: yeah he definitely had a good game this game so uh that's the end of the second half um and uh, Colorado gets the second half uh, kickoff because they deferred, and the it turns out the refs were wearing the same colors as Buffalo. They were both in black and white, and it really showed on this next drive. The Arizona Wildcats had 12 penalties for 129 yards. Meanwhile, Colorado had five for 52 yards. You know, there's plenty of instances in here where I think some of these calls are legitimate, but there was plenty of uh, calls that were not called on Colorado, and the disproportionate nature of it I, I think was, you know, pretty Pac-12 ref. Um, how would you guys feel about the performance of the refs in this game overall?
1: <laughs> I can't. How many, how many holding calls did they miss on Colorado's right tackle? I,
0: I can think five? of three off the top of my head immediately.
1: Yeah, right in front of them too. And they, then they I call this Creason's
0: holding call though.
1: Oh, of course not. And then actually, I remember.
0: I mean, we we'll go into
1: it a little bit later, but fourth quarter they they run like a, a wide receiver screen, and there's a blatant hold on Colorado's receiver, and then they throw the flag, and then they're like, "Oh wait, no, never mind." Yeah, uh, didn't they hold. pick it up. Yeah. So, so I was
0: I was. How how often do you see a holding call flag picked up? Never. Almost never. Gabe. Yeah, it was dumb. It's <laughs> <laughs> succinct. I like it. So, uh, there is a penalty on Arizona for offsides. There's a penalty on Arizona for, uh, pass interference. There's a penalty on Arizona for pass interference. And, um, so, uh, Montez hits, uh, Troy Brown on a corner route and they, they get the touchdown on their first drive out. What'd you guys think of the defensive performance? I really thought that the deck was re- kind of stacked against them uh, just based on the way the rest were going to the, going to the, to the, to the laundry.
1: Both of those PI DPI calls were not, were no, I, I, there's no way I, I Lorenzo Burns played good coverage in my opinion, because if uh, I think it was like two drives later or something like that, it was this very, very similar, if not identical type play. And he didn't get, dpi call on him so it was it was bogus and then tony fields um dax you actually posted a really good angle of it and you can see that there's not really any dpi on on fields at all really it was just a good he's just
0: boxing the guy out and staying between him and the ball and he has his arm out so the guy can't get around him and they called pass interference on it because what the defender's supposed to let the wide receiver run around him yeah uh, i didn't have a problems with the burns one to be honest with you i mean you know i thought it was more hand fighting than anything else but the fields one i thought that was just silly but there you go um what'd you think gabe
2: yeah i've got beef with both those flags and for i mean it's also just not a good situation where you want tony fields one-on-one trying to cover downfield but i mean overall that was a that was as good as coverage you could get from a linebacker there, and yeah, I don't like those calls. And then the touchdown here—I think this was off on the right side of the field. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then this is this was another Jarius Wallace type mm, of mistake sure. here. Yeah. I felt I, 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 ZZ Hearn was the corner on this one, and I feel like he kind of passed him off a little bit too. Let's see, that would be early. Yeah, early, but then it is also Jarius's, you know, job to kind of uh, rotate over to that side of the field. But, yeah, that that was just not a good series. And then I think at this point, Jarius is on the bench.
1: Yeah, Chacho comes in
0: for him. Yeah, honestly, I didn't know who to blame on that coverage. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And I didn't think Azizi e. Hearn had a very good game either.
1: Um, was this the uh, – I forgot to ask, because like, I know that you posted something about Dex. Was this the same drive where oh, – was it Wilborn or Harris or one of them was coming off the edge on the right side and the – it was a it, like it, like <laughs> – the right tackles, holding oh, yeah. him all the way to Montez.
0: Yeah, and the the, the the umpire, I mean, the referee, you know, the one who's in the back behind the quarterback, you know, off to the side, he's looking right at it. I mean, the Colorado guy has his arm on his jersey, pulling him, stretching the jersey back, and he's trying to break the, the pull to get to the quarterback. I mean, it's the most obvious holding call in the history of the universe, and the guy somehow doesn't see it. I mean, I just can't imagine how he doesn't see it from his point of view. It's, you know, yeah. So you could argue there was with the non Arizona call, there was, there was five calls or four calls that went against Arizona on this one. Um, anyways, uh, you know, Colorado pulls out 20, uh, at this point, you know, I mean live I'm having dyspepsia, but in retrospect, <laughs> it's a pretty, um, Fun game, right? I mean, it's back and forth. There's a lot of great plays. Um, you know, I don't think this drive was particularly representative of good football, but you know, the scores are going back and forth. So, um, so Arizona gets the ball back. Um, JJ Taylor rushes for four yards, two four yards, two yards, two yards, and then um, Khalil Tate hits Poindexter for a 39-yard touchdown. Uh, This, I'm trying to think.
1: This was the one where Sean was running a stop route. Uh, I realized that Tate
0: scrambled,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he cut up field again.
0: Yeah. This was, this was just, you know, schoolyard toss a ball up to your six foot plus wide receiver. And he came down with it. You know, you know, if you want to, make the analogy to Favre uh, kind of being a gunslinger and Tate and his willingness to throw the ball into whatever coverage might be there and give his receiver a chance. He certainly demonstrated on this play and, and it, and it benefited him significantly in this game. I, I, I had no beef with this, this series at all. What'd you guys think?
1: The only problem I had and okay. So overall great play. It's the two point conversion. I want to talk about here. Um, excuse me. First off, it was very clear that this is, and this is already after the DPI calls and the non holding call and everything like that. The Colorado player came running onto the field. Uh, Arizona snapped the ball. This dude was clearly offsides. They didn't call him for it. Okay, cool. Whatever. That's just how it's going to go. But my, my beef, my main beef is actually with, uh, with Khalil. Uh, he did not check down the tone. Uh, if, cause if you're watching it, so like, uh, if you're watching it on, on TV, the, you know, Arizona's, uh, is on the left side and Colorado's on the right. JJ was down wide open. Wide open down on the bottom. Um you know had his hand up and everything. There wasn't anyone around him for like 10 15 yards and
0: um he forces Khalil, it to the back of the end zone, yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah, he forces in like double coverage in that. That type of thing is is the frustrating part. But like, if you just checked on a JJ, that would have been easy two points. No problem. Or if he would have just took off and ran, that would have been easy two points as well.
0: Yeah, Khalil Tate and the check down or the crossing route is not... So let's take a second and go on this tangent, if you guys don't mind. My analysis of Khalil Tate is that it's not so much his running. Because he has an excellent deep ball. It's the explosive play. And Khalil Tate's going to get frustrated. He, if, if he is in a situation where he has to take multiple four-yard plays, he is going to get frustrated and throw it down the field in a double coverage. He cannot take four-yard gains you know, down the field. He is not going to nickel-dime you. And so it's the explosive play that really drives Khalil Tate's success. And when he has them, whether it be through a long run or a long pass, then he wins, and when he doesn't, then there's turnovers or three and outs. Uh, that's my take on Khalil Tate to this point in his career at Arizona. What do you guys think about his performance? Cause I, I don't think his angle, uh, you know, obviously he set a record 300. And, well, here, I'll tell you how many yards he had. 300 and 50. 350. 350. Uh, and, you know, he was one of the highest, he has two of the f- three highest rated NCAA college quarterback ratings this entire season. Did you guys see that tweet from the U of A staff? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that. And my my draw hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. So, what do you guys think about Tate as it relates to that cockamamie theory?
2: You know, I think I agree with that, and I, I had never really thought about it until this moment. I mean, we, towards the beginning of the season, had said Khalil Tate's getting a little greedy, or maybe it's Noah Mazzoni, but I do think, yeah, he is a guy that kind of lives and dies by the deep, or not even just the deep ball, but just the big play, and that's what kind of opens up his game, Um, and not even even so much with the running uh, this season. I think you had mentioned it, or you you mentioned a lot of things on Twitter, Dax, and one of them (laughs) was that you know, J.J. opens up so much more as well. And so I think, you know, the success of J.J. has definitely helped him as well. But, yeah, I definitely do think that he is a, you know, he's he's going to chuck the ball deep. He's probably going to try to force a throw in there and, and get a, a big gain on the play. And we haven't seen so much running, but last year definitely, I mean, that was his bread and butter where right? he's just ripping off long runs and that just opens up his game. So I do think that he does have a bit of that. Yeah. He, yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to make the smart and perfect place ball plays that you need to march down the field. It's going to be a couple, a couple of good four or five yard run plays from JJ deep ball, and then kind of work your way into the end zone.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. To that. I think, I think, mean, you know, I agree, and I think, uh, I mean, I think Hugh and you and Gabe both pretty much hit the nail on the head.
0: Yeah, I just think it's interesting people talk about, you know, sort of their analysis of him. I think it's the explosive play. If he if he if he has a high success rate with his explosive plays, he's going to be effective. If he doesn't, and maybe that's a little bit of an oxymoron, like oh, you're making lots of long plays, so you're going to do well. Um well, but but I, I
1: do have I do have one thing to add actually, and. It's 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 to, it's to go for you know your theory. Look at all those interceptions he threw last year and for the most part this year. It was him trying to go, you know, make a big explosive play down the field and forcing the ball into like quadruple coverage. So, like.
0: We, we don't have to even look that far back because there's one later in this game. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that's right. There is.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I just think that's just inherent in his style of play and it's feast or famine. So uh, Colorado gets a ball back. Uh, they get a, uh, McMillan, McMillan's been filling in from Nixon pretty much since the first quarter. It's not that Nixon didn't come in, but he's just been largely ineffectual. And I think McMillan uh, played real nice for uh, Colorado and, and helped them to maintain some degree of effectiveness in this game. And so he get, he breaks off a nice 21-yard run, uh, but their play kind of fizzles out, and so they end up uh, punting the ball. Arizona gets it back, and um, – JJ J. Taylor goes to work 12 yards, 19 yards, two yards, seven yards, and then uh, he gets a little uh, he gets a breather, and Mariscal comes in for a play. And you know, that kind of goes to the point you guys made about the depth with our running backs with Tilford coming in and Mariscal coming in with Brightwell out and um, you know, rehabbing from his ankle injury. And so, um, JJ Taylor comes back in, and the the drive kind of fizzles, um, despite. Uh, the one Colorado pass interference call that gets us a a first down. So uh, Havaricic comes out and – oh, excuse me, Josh Pollock comes out and uh, we get a 41-yard field goal. It's kind of interesting that the whole talk from Springer about not splitting the kickers uh, pretty much died uh, this year again too, and they're splitting the short, accurate versus long, powerful uh, kicking game. But uh, it was effective with the exception of the uh, extra point. Um, Colorado gets the ball. Uh, any comments on that drive thoughts other than uh, JJ's a stud?
1: Uh, well, I think this was the point in the game. I think that Arizona was gonna, uh, tell it was pretty much when they slapped Colorado on the face of like, Hey, we can run it all over you. And it's, you can see they did. So this was in my opinion, a, an important drive for Arizona in the sense that it definitely got Colorado. Like it, it, it put the defense back on its heels cause they hadn't, they knew they couldn't stop the run. <clears throat> and then it was just a matter of time before Arizona's passing game continued to uh, slice and dice them. So,
2: yeah, no, I agree. I don't have much to add. I think I was pretty spot on with. I mean, this is when Arizona really started finding success. I mean, Quill had been hitting the deep ball uh, to Devon, Stanley, Sean, Sean, uh, all the guys downfield, and then now you're having JJ rip off some bigger runs consecutively. So I do think this was kind of a big momentum shift. That I mean, it's going back and forth, but now you're starting to feel pretty good. Maybe Colorado's getting gas now. So it's 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 a good spot at this point.
0: Uh, so Colorado gets the ball back. Uh, we get a holding penalty. Uh, Mon, uh, Montez connects on a couple passes, um, and then we get that roughing the the passer penalty. Mm. Yeah, go ahead and lay it on us, Brandon. What would you think?
1: Uh, it's it's kind of nitpicky. Uh, this was one of those. It, this very much felt like a Cody Creason, the you know the Cody Creason holding penalty. That it was just. I mean, it was like I have seen more egregious hits at a later time. You know than, than JB got there, and then then. In other games and not get called. Does that make sense? I think I said that very confusingly. So let me back No,
0: no, you said it. You know. Okay. You've seen worse rough in the passer calls. More egregious, more, more, egregious, more egregious behaviors More egregious. behaviors that
1: that weren't called.
0: Actually, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Than 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 what uh, JB did. So I remember I remember seeing I remember seeing JB after it happened. He did not look happy. So I mean, yeah, it was just
2: nitpicking.
0: What do you think, Gabe?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean I mean we've talked about the officiating for the past three quarters now. And I mean yeah, it's just one of those things where I mean, yeah, they were just yeah, just um. Yeah,
0: I, I actually didn't have too big a problem with the call, but I, I you know, if it hadn't been a call. I, I, I think at this point Montez has been bounced around so hard, they're probably starting to feel kind of sorry for the kid. Anyways, uh, we managed to hold him. Um, I thought Lorenzo Burns... Uh, coming up and stopping on that six-yard pass and keeping him. You know, he he saw the route. He broke on it. He made the t- the sure tackle as soon as the guy caught the ball. Um, that's the kind of play that, you know, Lorenzo Burns' evolution as a cornerback, guy came in, got picked on a lot when he first started, and now really has been the guy we've leaned on this year, uh, I thought was uh, emblematic of his growth and development of the position um, for Arizona. And so – uh, Arizona's still up by a point at this time. Any thoughts on Lorenzo as it relates to that play, or any other things, guys?
1: He's taken a step in his development this year. He's really stepped up to the call of not, you know not having Jace out there to help him. Um, as I'm not saying that the other corners don't. But it's just easier with Jace just because of his experience and, and the style that Jace plays with. And actually you can you can even see it that Jace has even rubbed off on Lorenzo. He's definitely playing the same type of style. It's actually like kind of Jace is out there just like an inch shorter. Um so it's really nice to see Lorenzo take that step up in his development because he was not he was people were doubting him from this uh, get go of this season. They thought he was gonna be like you know, get pushed down the depth chart,
2: but he's definitely proven everyone wrong. Yeah, people thought Tim Huff was gonna to, going to be the number two corner pre Jace Whitaker injury sitting out whatever his issue is right now. But yeah, just good play from Lorenzo all season long so far.
0: Yeah. If you would have told me at the start of the year Jace Whitaker would have been out this many games, I would have predicted worse uh worse things for Arizona for sure. So uh We get the ball, uh, J.J. Taylor for three, uh, J.J. Taylor for nothing, and then Khalil Tate uh, pulls the ball on the RPO, and we've seen him run a lot of RPO where it's basically a handoff or sort of a sideways scamper or a few yards. And he just, for the first time all season, he turns on the Jets. And, and number 35 for Colorado, I don't know what the name of the linebacker was. I mean, he's a pretty big kid. He's, he's certainly not a fleet of foot, but, um, you, know, he, you know, instinctual, solid tackling. The guy had been having a nice game. And Khalil Tate just beats him on the angle. And I thought, wow, it sure is nice to have Khalil Tate back. And this was on third and seven. I thought that was a really critical play. And it certainly gives me a lot of optimism for the team and Tate's performance from a running standpoint going forward. what do you guys think about that specific play?
2: Yeah, I liked it. And like you said, there's been many times where you can definitely tell it's an RPO, but Tate just gives it off to Taylor or Brightwell uh, a few games back. And so here, I mean, he has had the ankle injury and it is noticeable when you go back and just see the play that we've seen in the last two weeks compared to utah and houston and i don't know any other games everything in between yeah pretty much and so um yeah i I think for him it's just he's not going to do it as much as he did last year obviously but now you're at least starting to get a bigger threat out of him, and that's gonna open up the offense some more.
1: I loved it. It was like watching. It was like going back. It's like a kid on Christmas. You know, you get that excitement from last year. You know, and I, I remember watching, it, watching it, and uh it was like, oh man, that's a good run. And then like I thought he was gonna go down, and then he just made that dude look silly. And I'm like, oh okay, no, it's still going. And you get at that point, I got a little nervous. I was like, "Man, he he hasn't run that much and gotten hit that much this year. What if he fumbles?" And but he didn't. So it was it was like that's that was primo, primo Khalil Tate running.
0: And then immediately after that, Khalil Tate hits uh, Cedric Peterson for 57 yards for the touchdown. So it was a dream sequence for Arizona. Um, That catch, which was more you know yak uh, by Peterson, and just the way the the he eluded the defenders on that play, uh, you know, you couldn't have asked for a better drive for Arizona. I I just, you know, have nothing but positive uh, things to say about how that, uh, series went down and we pull out 42, 34 at that point with about 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. What'd you guys think about Cedric Peterson, the drive and the situation then?
1: I thought that I actually, it was nice seeing Cedric get something like that. Um, Kid's been through a lot. He had a really down year last year, and he's stepped up for for the Wildcats this year, and he's proven to be actually a pretty re- reliable receiver. And man, I can tell you right now, I did not realize he was that fast. Um, he did have some good blocks down the field from Sean Poindexter. and but man, like he he outran a couple guys. It was it was nice to see.
2: Yeah, for me, yeah, Cedric. He's always just kind of been. I mean, he's always just been a role player here, and really just kind of a receiver where you wanted more out of him. Just at all times, I feel like every spring, Rich Rod said that he was in the mix to be a, you know, in the starting rotation of receivers. And I think he broke his foot two years ago now, maybe last year. Uh, I mean, he's dealt with some injuries, but yeah, I was pretty impressed with his speed there and. He's actually come down with or He has four touchdowns on 14 receptions this year. So he's been doing pretty well, just very quietly, I would say. Um, But a good catch and run there. And Arizona is looking to be in good shape at this point. Are you feeling like going back to uh, their last touchdown where JJ was ripping off some runs now, you're really starting to feel some momentum shift. And Arizona's offense is really just, Climbing. starting to guess yeah it's clicking and they're starting to guess colorado
0: so um colorado gets the ball and the personal foul i can't remember that do you guys remember what that was brandon or game which one uh colorado got the ball on their 25 and then they okay. had a pass to win free for 17 yards and then there was a a uh, personal foul for 15 yards. I can't remember, but that was pretty much the biggest part of that drive. I'm was that a hit?
1: Oh, and that was a hands, hands to the hands face, to the right? Face, yeah. Yeah. I remember Apparently it was on PJ and yeah. not JB.
0: Anyways, it was on the interior. I mean, he kind of had his hands up there and they were putting pressure on, um, on Uh-oh. Montez on that play. And they,
1: they, he got crushed that play. I remember Montez got hit really, really hard.
0: So, I can't remember if it's this series or a subsequent one, but at one point Colorado gets a pretty significant (coughs) gain um, on either a pass interference or this penalty. I don't think it's this series. I think it's the next series. There's There's a P.I., and um, Montez puts his ears to the West stands as the fans are booing the refs. Cause at this point there's been a million flags out there and the fans uh, are yeah. pissed off at every call. And then he puts his ears over to the East stand. And I thought, you know, that was pretty, uh, I, I, I didn't feel too bad for, um, Brandon, your Steven Montez after his little showing there. Would you, would you guys think about, Mon- did you guys see Montez do that? And, and what'd you guys think about that?
1: I did because I remember watching the play live and even, uh, even uh, a replay of it and thought the same thing that all the Arizona fans thought that that wasn't. And then um, I have officially divorced Steven Montez after doing that stupid bull crap with his ears and everything like that. So it's no longer, uh,
2: you disavow. my
1: him. Yeah. D- disowned him. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm just glad it took I'm just glad Brandon is disowning him and off the <laughs> Steven Montez train now
1: <laughs> I will so, say I, I can't wait to talk about that penalty because I got something of, about what poor fishing can do in a game
0: all right, we'll get to that one. I, I couldn't remember if it was that one or the other, but I thought that was pretty funny by Montez. I, I, was in f- I was fit to be tied on the refs at this point. Anyways, Justice is served, and basically Colorado goes down and again goes forward on fourth. And, you know, they don't have a fumble here, but they, um, they have an incomplete pass. Uh, Azizi Hearn, uh, to his credit, uh, breaks it up. Um, and Arizona gets the ball. And uh, J.J. Taylor... Um, Rips off a nice 13-yard run. Uh, Tony Ellison gets a nice little pass. And Khalil Tate, as we had alluded to earlier, makes a Khalil Tate decision. Um, He's rolling out, and he sees J.J. Taylor leaking down the sideline, and he tries to float a ball to him. And two Colorado guys beat J.J. Taylor to the ball, and it's an interception there. Critical moment. There's, you you know, they started the drive with nine minutes and 20 seconds left in the game. You know, they had two minutes of possession with the J.J. Taylor runs. You'd really like to see him, you know, bleed the clock down, maybe flip the field position uh, at worst. If not, go down and score. And he flips the ball over after, uh, you know, just a handful of plays. What would you guys make of this uh, play? I know we've kind of badgered uh, Khalil Tate, you know, and analyzed Khalil Tate's play pretty heavily.
1: This – was one of those instances where I know we talked about it before, where instead of just stepping up into the pocket, like he had time to do, he did that. Oh God, I hate that. That roll out, kick out, whatever the heck you want to call it. And like retreat, like 10 yards. And then, you know, extend the play. I hate that. Uh, I hate, sometimes I hate that because I mean, majority of the time it doesn't work. Right. Right. Um, but like this, and prime instance, the prime example was here. If it, but this was one of those things that like, if he had just stepped up in the pocket, he probably would have he would have had a better throw. He probably could have seen an open receiver or just throw the damn ball away, you know? But he, instead he did that kick out rollout and then floated an in the interception down the sideline. So
0: I don't know. Yeah, I would have been happy if he just ran out of bounds and lost yardage. <laughs> oh gosh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad but true. <laughs> Any thoughts on that game? I mean, no, uh, we've we've pretty much nailed it so far. Beat it to death. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Colorado gets the ball back, um,
0: and uh, Montez hits uh, several passes in a row. Um, you know, he gets a 23-yarder, a five-yarder, an eight-yarder, and then here's that pass interference play, and then Montez, you know, baits the crowd. And, um, Stephen Montez tosses a ball up in the end zone on a nice long scramble. He really forces it in there and, um, and Troy young, uh, snags it and returns it to the one yard lines. what do you guys think of that series?
1: Gabe, I'll let you go. Cause I got a rant for this one.
0: Oh boy.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, get some big chunk plays there. They're starting to roll. I mean, they're in Arizona's territory after just the play. And then, yeah, you have the pass interference and Montez just being a doofus. And (laughs) then, yeah, I, I don't really remember seeing the, I don't really remember much up until like Troy or the play that ended in the interception. I don't remember much until like Troy just kind of comes out with it. Um, but yeah i mean that's a that's a big stop for arizona right there and you have a chance now to really milk the clock out and so this is just a good good little spot to be in for right now and now i'm interested to hear brandon's rant all right so
1: with the past interference i remember very distinctly it was azizi Hearn on uh kb on into i think was the guy's name yeah for colorado down. and uh man like this was this was probably one of the most egregious like this was worse than Tony Fields. This was worse than, than the Lorenzo Burns DPI. This was literally a making a great play, having solid coverage. Literally, I don't even think he touched the guy, and he could get. But he had his. I remember he had his hand extended just so he can kind of keep his bearings as to where he was. Right? Didn't touch the guy. Didn't affect his ability to come back to the play or anything like that. Two plays later, you can see there's that incomplete pass to KB on Into. I remember it was a it was a corner route that Gabe hates uh, into the end zone. <laughs> um, and I very much remember um, watching as it was Azizi on Into again, and you can see he Azizi actually pulled up. He actually stopped play. he didn't he didn't even like he wasn't as aggressive as he was uh, the pre you know throughout the drive the you know throughout the drive before that because he did not want to get called for a dpi in the end zone and that's that to me is is unacceptable by the pack 12 that was that was the epitome of the pack 12 refs, like just garbage play like garbage calling of that game like it, it literally affected his easy playing the way he usually plays um, and yeah but like I remember I was infuriated by that, especially because I remember distinctly seeing his easy pull up um, once he got to the goal line. Cause he didn't. And then like, Ento had like pretty much a free shot at the ball, but Montez overthrew him. Um, and then, but then like all was actually, you know what? It wasn't even forgiven, but like Troy, Young made a he- <laughs> you know, he made a hell of a play on, I mean, he just, he, just high-pointed high that ball like crazy and came down with it and was very upset at himself that he was outside the end zone. But, you know, I give credit to that young man because that was a heck of a play.
0: Well, that's an – so Arizona gets the ball on their one-yard line. J.J. Taylor rushes for one yard, no, no gain. It's third and nine. We're backed up on uh, our two-yard line. And uh, J.J. Taylor does his uh, best impression of that uh, lizard running through the desert with all the snakes trying to get it from the Discovery Channel. You guys know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, he comes out there. He looks like a crab on three legs, and he gets a first down. And I I just can't say enough good things about him. And Arizona leans on J.J. Taylor and burns five minutes and seven seconds off the clock and possesses the ball for the remainder of the game. When's the last time Arizona's done something like that? It's been a while. It was very impressive and a great way to end the game. Yeah, it was.
1: It's been a while. After you know, besides his bear crawl, I think um, he gets. He should get a lot of credit for. uh, it? Arizona took a timeout with one minute forty seconds left, or something like that. And I remember it's third and six and you're just thinking like all, all you need is a first down, six yards, you know, first down. JJ bounces around to the outside, picks up 21 yards and before and didn't even go out of bounds. Instead, he slid and stayed in bounds. That way the clock can keep running, which that was just a, a great, great play on
2: his part. Yeah, I mean, that was just what you wanted Arizona to do there. Just control the ball. You're coming off the Troy Young interception. You're backed up on your own one though which is terrifying and at the you can't feel too comfortable at this point because you just I mean anything could happen at the one yard line Uh, but Arizona just keeps grinding it out there and they're just burning the clock and Colorado really can't stop them and so it just felt like Arizona's offense was just clicking the entire night and really just a continuation from the prior week so just a a really good final series to close it out. and that was that was a a hard fought win for sure, but a much needed one, yeah,
0: great, great game. So uh, in that game, uh, we were given away three points uh, with an over under fifty six and a half. We all picked Arizona. Um, Gabe and I had the over and got both of those. so
2: the, the winning team scored more than thirty eight points again.
0: Again. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a great stat. Wow. Uh, actually, so for next week I'll make sure to pull up those uh, Arizona game notes so we can we can uh, rely on those. And that actually changed your overcall,
2: right, Gabe? Yeah, I was going to go under.
0: Uh, well, you've been tearing it up. So you're our leader in the clubhouse on, I think, again, both against the spread and on the over-under. In fact, your over-under is almost almost at 60%, which is remarkable. Um, so other games that week, uh, unfortunately, uh, Utah succumbed to ASU. They lost uh, Ricky Hunley and um, Moss in that game, right?
1: No, Moss got hurt uh, this week during practice.
0: Oh, okay, so I, I predict, as you guys pointed out, give Utah time. I predict their 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 time at the top of the Pac-12 South will be short-lived, and um, their in can come none too soon even though ASU won in this game. Uh, Utah was giving up seven points in this game, ASU won. Um, I'm the only one who picked ASU, and the 56-point uh, over hit by two, so Brandon and I both hit the over. Um, UCLA and Oregon, um, Oregon was giving up 10 points and won 42-21. Uh, we all had Oregon in this game, and it was a push on the over-under at 63. It came in right at 63. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, pretty there's two pushes this week. It was kind of trippy. We haven't had that for since I think it was the first or first week of conference play we had a push on an over under. Um uh Ferd um going into UW. Um the Huskies were giving up 10 points, so Gabe and I took Ferd and hit there and shockingly the over hit but both you guys had confidence in it and I did not and uh, that was my loss there um, SC was given up sev- 17 at um, Oregon State um, it was a push there um, so uh, against the spread we all pushed and the under hit in that game so Gabe uh, nailed that one and Cal uh, was rolling uh, into Washington State um, the Cougs were given up 9.5 and, and did not cover. Uh, we all had the Cougs, and shockingly, the over didn't hit. It was a relatively low-scoring game, so uh, but the Cougs survived 19-13. Uh, to 13. Cal doesn't have any more upset magic that week. Um, so to this point in the season against the spread, I'm at 53%. Um, and on the over-under, I'm at 49%. I finally dipped under my coin flip, which is disappointing. I'd been holding in there for a while. I was fading to the average. Uh, Gabe's leading the pack at 55% against the spread and 59% on the over-under, which is amazing. Uh, you could make a living betting at 60%. And uh, Brandon um, is at 43%. He's come catching up to me and 46 on the uh, over-unders.